0: Welcome to the Noble Ape Podcast, Ape Reality. I'm Tom Barbley. Last night I was editing Model Rail Radio, and it occurred to me I hadn't recorded an Ape Reality in quite some time. There'd been a lot of development associated with the Noble Ape simulation, but I'd just been caught up in the development. And rather than write down any notes or do anything in a planned fashion, which is normally my style, I thought about recording a podcast this morning. And then I woke up this morning, and I found an email from Bob Motra. And folks will be familiar, Bob Mottram is probably, well, in many cases, the primary developer of the Noble Ape Simulation, but currently, because I put in so many changes, the secondary developer of the Noble Ape Simulation. Anyway, Bob's email read, I noticed that in the GTK GUI, there appears to be only one ape, and 3D view also looks magnified. Is this intended? So that covers a couple of the changes associated with the NodeLite simulation, by no way all of them. Uh, but it does, well, let's start with those two. As many of you know, I've started a new job in the Bay Area, and a large portion of my job in the Bay Area is associated with Apple-related devices, be it Apple TV, iOS, that kind of stuff. Interestingly enough, my employer is also giving me a little bit of time to work on NodeLite currently, which gives the kind of moral quandary of whether I should actually mention my employer specifically or whether i should just enjoy the privilege i have a very strange relationship to technology companies and certainly my own employment has been not necessarily checkered but certainly featuring a number of companies that went out of business i will make the point that none of that actually relates to my technical abilities and it's got nothing to do with you know being fired i've never been fired in a job i've just had companies collapse but i do have a sense that these companies are a temporary thing, and independent of the temporary thing, the Noble aid simulation is kind of continuous, or at least attached to my development interests and Bob Mottram's development interests and a few other folks' development interests. So in that regard, I don't think I'll mention my employer specifically initially, uh, with the view that I'll probably be recording talks from my employer and various other things. I have a fierce feline to my right here, demanding some attention. Uh, Anyway, I've been doing a number of bits of development associated with 8 through my employer, and uh, none of that actually relates to the iOS implementation of 8, which I've been doing exclusively after hours. But the thing that interested me is that the graphics were particularly slow on iOS. And looking at it, the history of the graphics was uh, a development that I guess I did in about 2003 associated with the... Is it called Isometric Projection? I think it's called Isometric Projection view of the overlaps and Surrounds. And at the time, it was based on... Well, up until very, very recently, it was based on a bilinear interpolation of the landscape. And per frame... The, in the uh, landscape view, uh, or the terrain view, there's a certain simulation, there was a series of bilinear interpolations done on the landscape uh, per frame. So when I came to move it to the iPad, the processor on the iPad just kind of balked at all these bilinear interpolations, and I don't know, I think I was getting about 10 frames per second out on the iPad. But it looked noticeably jerky, and it just wasn't a particularly pleasant viewing experience. And this forced me to think quite critically about the way in which I was generating the terrain. Lo and behold, I guess I'd missed over the past, what is it, uh, eight, nearly nine years, (laughs) that doing a bilinear interpolation per frame, and actually a series of bilinear interpolations per frame probably wasn't the smartest move. So... The original implementation came from a place where memory was expensive and processing was slightly less expensive. And now, I guess, we live in a world where memory is very cheap and processing is perhaps slightly more expensive than memory. So, to this end, I added the bilinear interpolation at the start. There is now, rather than a 512 by 512 version of the island, although that exists too, I think I'll probably eventually remove that, there is also a... Uh, 4096 by 4096 version of the island which is the version that the terrain generates from now funnily enough in addition to this uh, and this is another point that bob Watcher made there's a little bit of code not there currently to actually draw the apes in this new high resolution environment which i really need to add it's just something that's kind of dropped off but that would then show the other remaining apes which aren't currently shown in the view in fact The current ape isn't shown in the view either, so you don't actually get a sense of any apes in the current environment. It just draws remarkably quickly. And even on the desktop version, I think there's probably some slight latency improvement, uh, even though it really was just a translation for the iPad. Now, the iPad as a device has its own interface challenges, and the plan is that when it is in the landscape view versus the portrait view, this 1024 by... 768 version of the terrain will be what is shown. So when the iPad is in the landscape view, you see just the terrain in a high resolution that you can interact with. When you turn the iPad to portrait view, you'll have a smaller uh, resolution terrain view. And I think part of this was just making the terrain view something that was actually scalable, although that work hasn't actually been done. So that covers the uh, magnified view, and the resolution is currently at the iPad. Uh, resolution. What will happen is probably that resolution will also change for desktop versions. Certainly on my little Mac laptop, the iPad resolution is actually larger than the screen in uh, the vertical. Uh, so it makes for slightly interesting viewing, but in most other computers it's fine just because i like a particularly small laptop okay so that covers the 3d view that covers the fact that the uh high resolution detailing of the apes hasn't yet gone back into that 3d view Uh, but it doesn't cover the number of apes and what i found recently and this was a hiccup which i've kind of just pushed to the side is there's some memory issue associated with the episodic memory this is one of these like really really boring bugs that i've just pushed to the side by fixing the number of apes, well, fixing the maximum number of apes, which fixes the initial number of apes, I think it's quarter of the maximum number of apes, just to eliminate this boundary condition. Well, it's not a boundary condition, I mean, it happens every time when the uh, apes aren't bound in terms of an initial set of them, and it's just relied on the memory allocation. So my suspicion is somewhere through the episodic, etc. memory additions, and also the way I moved some of that from being direct allocation to actually reference pointing allocation. I think something went wrong through there. I need to go back and visit it, but really it is the most boring work going on so far. So that covers some of the uh, iPad additions to the simulation. And the iPad release, I don't know when it's going to be, but it's an interesting intellectual process and I think it's filtered back into other aspects of the development. So I don't know, I don't have any real time frame and every time frame I've ever stated on this podcast seems to go by the wayside relatively rapidly. So let's let's avoid this folly. For this occasion. Uh, So I'm not sure where the iPad version will come out. It begs a question associated with the number of releases of the simulation. I did a release recently just to push it out there and I did some Windows updates. It had, I think, the fur component, at least the Mac version. I pulled it off the Windows version because it seemed just so disjointed. And yes, funnily enough, I haven't been working on any of the actual representation of the Ape over the past, I don't know, month, month and a half. I've done some fur tweaking probably about a month ago, but nothing much more with that. It kind of seems a waste of screen real estate to put the fur up even though it's not something i'm working on the simulation also i think contains a two dimensional image of the apes currently which i probably could pull out somewhere anyway so i did a release and funnily enough since that release there have been so many changes to the underlying simulation that i really think there needs to be a kind of almost auto update or at least user specified update feature obviously this will be rolled out i think in the mac version First, I need to check the actual code associated with doing live updates, but my understanding is that there should be a, an Apple-sponsored uh, <laughs> section of live update code that I can just copy and paste and, and utilize. And my suspicion also is on the Linux version there'll be a similar one. Windows, well, I have to investigate. I do have a somewhat functioning Windows box here, but it's just not particularly accessible. And yeah, the, the Apple Mac ipad development part is certainly easy for me to do currently anyway so my plan is to have uh, regular updates through the update software as opposed to actually doing software releases i will do another release of a simulation just to capture this for users but um, one of the things i'm finding really interesting actually working with uh, ipad iphone these kind of devices is the ability both to track issues in real-time and also push out real-time updates. Now, the company I work for and a number of the iOS software companies don't actually do this as, as much as I'd like to. But the thing that interests me is that I can actually do this with an overlaid simulation, which means that new features hit users very, very rapidly, and also I get feedback very, very rapidly, hopefully. So, it's a two-way component. Firstly, you get the live updates, and secondly, also, you add feedback, so users can email in and say, hold it, wait, it's crashing at this point. I really should open up the crash logs as well. I'm not even sure how one does that, because Apple records that, and it should be possible, actually, to pick that up from Apple somehow. So, I'm not sure how that's done, but it's something that needs to be done as well, so I can get this feedback loop even tighter, because the way it is currently, I'm just doing, basically, software updates for myself, and not even Bob Mottram can track them, per the original reason for this podcast. So, we need Push updates somehow, similar to the (laughs) iOS launch related discussion. I don't have a time frame associated with that, but it's something certainly that I'm thinking about. Uh, Obviously, getting high res renderings of the apes or high res uh, on the flat representing what had previously been low res on the flat versions of the apes probably my highest priority. I now want to talk a little bit about ApeScript. I've always had an interest in making ApeScript something that was external from the simulation as well as internal to the simulation. That may sound a little interesting, but I've always wanted to have a number of uses for ApeScript with the view that it will hybridise and develop externally, and then basically the external features and additions and bug fixes etc. will go back into the simulation. And this plan has been embodied in a little thing called Lance, uh, which was named after Lance Link, which. If folks are familiar with Get Smart from the late 60s, uh, the writers for Get Smart went on, or a couple of them did, to this strange kind of, I don't know, populist counterculture. The easiest way to get a sense of this is to Google the Evolution Revolution Lancelot link and uh, watch the subsequent YouTube video. It's I, I, I guess I'm ethically opposed to uh, chimps being used in film or chimps being exploited. So it's like a chimp-exploitation <laughs> children's television series from the early 70s, which, funnily enough, I was exposed to in Australia because... I don't know, the Australian networks looked long and hard for the cheapest possible American content, and I guess Lancelot Link was part of that. Anyway, um, so the externalisation of ApeScript is currently called Lance, and you can build it by... Uh, lancelink.sh and that creates an external version of apescript and the lance code is primarily designed to just show a generic use of apescript with the view that other companies will use apescript and other individuals will use apescript with their own ways and rewrite large sections of that and if they want to make contribution back my view is that the most important part is associated with the noble directory and that's where the contributions back will come from so you know, this relates to some of the stuff I was discussing earlier associated with actually being able to work on no plate. My kind of, I don't know what you'd call it, maybe 9 to 6.30. Uh, I seem to be getting up later now. I live in the Bay Area, which I don't know whether that's a good thing, but I seem to be going to bed later too. Anyway, uh, so that initially has provided a number of interesting things, and it's also shown that there are probably some... Uh, Variables that need to be pushed back into the generic version of ApeScript from external development, I mean random is one of those things, potentially random seed. Uh, The idea that basically ApeScript can run independently, almost like an independent timer uh, against the simulation is something that's very interesting that's taking some of my thinking currently, particularly if you have, uh, for example, ApeScript, the graphics, uh, the brain, and then the underlying simulation all working in uh, timer threads rather than regular threads. Because I think all these things are periodic, all these things can have direct cleanup, all these things ideally are suited for uh, timer threads uh, with a view that once you have them in those threads, you can then either reduce calculation or exploit the thread uh, time availability. Of course, to a certain extent, what you are doing is linking it to particular kinds of processes, but as processes get faster, all you are doing is creating more free time to kind of exploit. So it's an interesting model uh, which I've been thinking about a lot currently, uh, particularly with the initial introduction of kind of eight script Lance. And one of the interesting things about the LAMP's development is that I've created an iPad scripting language. I mean, basically, Apple was very concerned, particularly with Flash, that scripting languages not get on the iPad, but through... This development, I've actually created an iPad scripting language, which I'll never be able to release through Apple formally, but it is actually really cute to have a, a real-time scripting language on the iPad. I don't know how any of this will filter back. I think this will probably be something that will have to be heavily if-deft out uh, if and when the iOS version of the simulation is launched through the iPad store. It will be launched for absolutely nothing. It will be a free app, so... Don't have any concerns that this is, in fact, my foray into commercial software. Uh, far from it. What else did I want to talk about? So, yeah, random will come through. The idea of uh, what I'm currently calling escape, what may be known as wait, where uh, basically you leave the interpreter thread and in return at the point where you left off, but with some time elapsed, I think is relatively important. I'm not sure how that fills us back into the simulation. The idea of persistent information, which really doesn't have a impact on the noble ape version of ape script because basically the simulation persists the information that you need persisted but yeah just a number of bits and pieces of ape script that i think will be very useful for folks who want to use it for something else and obviously the benefits of ape script is it's a very very lightweight Uh, i have it running in a thread maybe once every 12th of a second up to 20th of a second down to about 6th of a second in all those time frames ApeScript is able to do exactly what is needed and return with, you know, like 6% processor usage at most. So basically very thin scripting edition. My hope is I will generate some use cases. I'm writing a chapter. Well, I've got like literally a chapter planned for a spring of book Uh, I think the chapter's due next year sometime maybe January my hope is to actually no my hope is to get it done by January my recollection is I think it's due by March Uh, but just yeah get all that stuff together with the view that it'll just be additional use case information basically that can go back into the chapter the chapter's in the origin of mind and my idea there is to actually explore the various models of mind including the social model of mind uh, that the simulation currently offers as a kind of critique of the mind as it exists in a kind of, I don't know, high philosophy view. But anyway, more on that when it actually gets written. There's an interesting time frame associated with the Springer's releases. It's currently about 18 months, which just seems ridiculously too long. It's 18 months to about two years currently. So if you write a chapter and then you wait two years to actually see it come out of print, I don't know. I I guess I'm just spoiled with instantaneous publishing uh, following Lulu et al., but, uh, yeah, this is definitely the year two thousand and twelve is definitely the year for an update to the original manuals as well. The last original manuals were never captured on Amazon, much to my irritation so there 's some smart seller that 's selling it for like a hundred plus bucks on amazon with the view that you can get it for a much cheaper rate through lulu and lulu's changed their ebook policy and a wide variety of things i mean one of the problems associated with my current job is just that i don't have the time in the evenings that i once had to explore these kind of things so i have to kind of prioritize when i look at these things anyway so you may hear from my voice it sounds a little gravely i seem to only record a reality podcast when i'm feeling under the weather i said that previously please get in contact tom at noble 8.com i probably missed something i've just recorded this first thing in the morning but please do get in contact if you have any questions any ideas any concerns this kind of stuff and hopefully i have answered bob mottram's question in podcast form and also ticked all the right boxes associated with actually recording in a reality you may hear noise in the background that comes thanks to the cats we brought two of them uh, to our new apartment And, yes, life here is is very different. Uh, I'm back in a place where I lived maybe 11 years ago, different accommodation, and it's amazing, actually, to be working for a formal employer through this period in this location as opposed to what I did previously, which was just chaotic and probably the subject of a future book. Anyway, uh, Tom Barberley in the Bay Area signing out. Thank you for tuning into this podcast. Look forward to you tuning into the next podcast.